Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Musings of a Man United Fan. I'm Paul, thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, I'll be talking about Denmark's Christian Eriksen, who collapsed during their Euro 2020 matchup with Finland earlier today. And also, I'll also talk about the possible issues surrounding Ericsson's unfortunate slump. Um, thankfully, he's in the hospital and he appears to be in stable condition. So that's some cherry news after the disappointing and shocking scenes we witnessed earlier today while watching the, the denmark Finland game. I'll also be talking about the game between Belgium and Russia. So, let's get into it. All right. Earlier today, Denmark took on Finland in the Euro 2020 matchup between these two sides. For the first time, they are meeting in a major tournament like this. Denmark, Finland, and in the 43rd minute, during a throw-in, a ball was the ball was thrown to Eriksen, and as he was about to control the ball, he just slumped and fell on the pitch. And of course, the referee of the day, Anthony Taylor, and players quickly beckoned to the medics to come and help with. Um, Ericsson's condition. Um, it was a difficult sight to behold. And the broadcaster broadcast how his wife was in great distress and even crying. Players had to rally. Players, fans were in shock. Everyone was upset about the state of Ericsson. He apparently collapsed and was unconscious for a, a fair bit of time. So it wasn't a very pleasant sight to behold. It was um, it was painful to watch, but thankfully, he was eventually resuscitated and taken to the hospital. And UEFA had to suspend the game um, until later in the evening. Whereby it was, uh, or when it was actually rescheduled, after reports suggesting that Ericsson had asked and requested that the match be continued, and also the players and staff of both teams, and so the game continued. Eventually, Finland won the game with the only shot, with the only attempt on goal, and they scored. They were Denmark were awarded a penalty, and unfortunately Pierre Emil Hoiberg missed the penalty, and Finland ended up achieving a famous victory in their first competition. It was it was it was a bizarre game for them. Of course, it's uh, a great day to remember for them. Unfortunately. The scenes in the first half would have, you know, taken a lot of shine off what 
would be a important day in their history in terms of the the achievements they've made today in defeating Denmark. Denmark surprisingly were wasteful in the second half. Uh, they had more position but lacked cutting edge. Of course, Finland also were quite organized and actually have been in good form in their last eight matches or nine matches they've been unbeaten and they've considered only three goals. So Finland were in good form. Perhaps the Danes underestimated the Finnish, I don't know. Or possibly they were still affected by what happened to Christian Eriksen earlier in, in the game. I don't know. But it appears today was not just a good day for Denmark, considering how um, the incidents that happened earlier or throughout the game. It was not to be their day, really. But Finland won the game 1 0. And I'm sure it would have been a very disappointing. On another day, it was a very disappointing result. But if you look at the scenario and everything, I don't think it's really something to dwell on so much. You can just dust their feet and move on and get prepared for the second game. Um, Ericsson's life and his health is much more paramount. And the good news is Ericsson is alive and well and doing okay in the hospital. I'm sure in a couple of hours or um, within two or three days, we'll probably know what happened to Ericsson. I'm hoping for the sake of his career, it's not a heart-related slump or issue that would probably put an end to his career at the age of 29. So let's keep our fingers crossed though and hope that what happened to him was not a heart condition. Maybe a physical exhaustion or something else. Maybe, hopefully. I think that would be better than a heart-related condition. So, I also like to talk about the issues um, concerning this incident. Now, on Twitter, there's been debates about what could possibly have led to the slump. Of course, it's probably good to be an exhaustion or a heart condition. And if it's a heart condition, it's going to be terrible for Ericsson. But if it was due to physical exertion or exhaustion or fatigue, then it begins to it will it will bring probably in the coming days it would could lead to analysts, pundits and players unions complain about the number of games players have to play. I don't think Ericsson played that much games in Italy in the Serie A last season. I don't think he had yeah, he is one of the overworked players in this day and age. I don't think he's one of them. Um, I, I believe other players, in especially in, in England and France, play more games than players in Italy. But if this, if the issue is, or the issue with Ericsson, if it's 
physical exertion related, then what is the solution? Because, frankly, the solution really to physical exhaustion is you either increase you have to, you have to increase the number of players in the squad so that there'll be a lot of rotation, or you reduce the number of games. Now, this brings a lot of problems or issues for teams because in in this day and age, there's a lot of pressure on managers to perform, win games, win trophies. Now, it is if if you are not a Manchester City or a Liverpool or a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Juventus or Inter Milan or PSG you probably have issues with the quality of the squad because in a large squad there will probably be a lot of average players squad players who who find their way into the squads and if they find their way into the pitch in certain games and they fail to impress it could affect the team and make the team lose or drop points which could affect the performance of the team at the end of the season so <coughs> excuse me um i don't i don't think Lighter scores will help, especially with coaches like Manchester United's coach Ole, who seems timid making substitutions, who is afraid to make substitutions because of the drop off that will occur. He trusts Ole is first 11. Once the first 11 are not living up to expectations, he is timid and fearful of making subs that could transfer the game so it's a big problem larger squads reducing the number of games would lead to short of revenues and that is also very very important i don't think any club at this point in time will want revenues to reduce so that's another difficult problem especially with covid19 pandemic affecting finances of many clubs Anything that will further make clubs lose revenue will be out of the question. So, I guess the number of games that clubs still have to play, players have to play, will continue to either increase or at the very least remain what it is right now. And that is sad. So, something needs to be done. Coaches... I think less pressure should be should be applied to coaches who are under pressure to perform when they're using French players. Coaches need time. In a, in a place like England, you lose three, four games and you're already you're already under pressure on your job, and that's not very good for a team that wants to be rotated. So. Is that the clubs invest heavily on quality players, like in, in cases of Manchester City, PSG, and so on, or 
they take the risk with squad players or just hope that their players remain fit and don't have any underlying issues and don't have to collapse during big games or during any game for that matter. So Ericsson, of course, did not play too many games in the Serie A compared to his fellow players in clubs in England or Spain or France who play at least three domestic competition uh, competitions then Champions League football or Republic football as the case may be. Now the European Championship the schedule of course is just coming just two weeks after the Champions League final and it's going to run till July eleven. Of course it is the player the 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 countries that stay longer in the competition that will have issues with players fatigue and all that many t- countries will be leaving after the first round six countries will be leaving after the first round um after the then the knockout will begin in the second round and so on so eventually players will start getting the rest because most leagues resume in August especially in England the English Premier League resumes in August and by the end of July I'm sure knockout competitions for the Conference League qualifiers for the Europa League will begin or even the Champions League even so players probably will be getting a couple of weeks rest and they have to go again preparing to to qualify for European competitions. And apart from that, the leagues will resume in August. Many leagues will resume in August. Well, England, I'm sure, will in, uh, resume in August. Many or most of the teams will, or, or leagues in Europe will resume in September. And that is, well, what this means is that there's probably not going to be much of a preseason, considering that the Europa Championship was delayed. It was brought back from last year to this year because of COVID nineteen, and now that the time for players to recover and go again after for that early season is going to be very small, and also. The World Cup is going to be next year. And I think it's going to be in at the end of the year. I don't I'm not sure it's going to be in the summer. So that's one good thing. The problem is anyway, I don't want to want to go into that now because I've not researched properly on that subject. But in twenty twenty two the World Cup will be hosted by Qatar and I believe it's India winter towards the end of the year so how that works with European leagues I do not know but that is a discussion for another day so sad one for Denmark good and bad news good news Ericsson is is alive and healthy and has recovered and hopefully we may see him in the tournament if it is not a hard related condition the bad news is that they lost to Finland and they really need to buckle up 
for the next game against other members of their group. And that leads us to the game between Belgium and Russia. Uh, Belgium started off again the championship, European Championship with a good win against Russia. 3-0 win, goals from Romelu Lukaku, who scored a brace, and Thomas Müller also getting on the score sheet. It was an excellent performance from Belgium, dominated the game, where the better side throughout took their chances well. Russia, unfortunately, were blunt in the attack. They made some good attempts in the first half of the second, but they lacked the cutting edge to breach Belgium's defense. They had one or two good half chances, but that's not that. That's about all that they were able to muster. So good victory for Belgium. Um, Belgium is another dark horse. They are the Italians, uh, dark horses, and I guess this is their last chance for the Argonian generation to really make a statement. Um, players like Eden Hazard, the Manchester City midfielder, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, many of these players are in the rock side of 30. So, I think Kevin De Bruyne is 29 years old. Eden Hazard is, I believe, is 30 or 31, thereabouts. So, this is their, this is the best time to win a trophy as they are still in the peak of their powers. By next year at the World Cup, if they make it, it might be a bit more difficult for them to to make similar impact like they're making now. But good win for Roberto Martinez's Belgium. Um, I was surprised to see that Thierry Henry is back with the Belgian side again. I don't know whether it's for this, for the duration of the European Championship or if he's back full-time. We'll get to see that um, in the coming days. I'll check up on that and I'll probably learn more about that. So... That's it, basically. I made this podcast today because of what happened to Christian Eriksen. Obviously, it's an, a significant event which I had to talk about. So, that's it, basically. We need to wait for the doctor's reports, which will probably come in a few days, whether what happened to Christian Eriksen was a heart-related issue or if it was just physical exertion. And if it is, then a decision has to be made about his future. So, that's it, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you all for listening. I will see you on my next episode when another interesting incident or a shock result, of course, in the European Championships Euro 2020. Thank you for listening again. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of my podcast, Musings with My United Fan. My name is Paul. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I would like to discuss something that has been upsetting me 
for the past 48 hours. On Twitter, after the game between Belgium and Russia, Lukaku, of course, grabbed a brace in their 3-0 victory over Russia. That is Belgium's 3-0 victory over Russia. And on Twitter, there was some debate amongst my United fans concerning Ole's decision to let Lukaku join Inter Milan. The argument was Ole made a mistake letting him join Inter, whereas Marshall, who Ole had faith in, largely has failed to live up to expectations going by last season's performance in the Premier League and overall in all competitions. Uh, Marshall grabbed seven goals in all competitions, if I'm not mistaken, mm. and Lukaku has gone on to do great things at Inter. He has even won a Scudetto with Inter Milan, while Manchester United failed to even win the Europa League against uh, Villarreal, who were clearly the underdogs in that final. So, I guess the pro Ole fanboys tried to say that, look, um, Lukaku did not fit the United system. And it was the right thing to let him go since he wanted to go. Well, I'll grant that. Okay, let me before I go on to uh, make my uh, say my views or air my views on this issue. The issue is basically uh, on this podcast. I want to discuss Lukaku and Memphis um, revisionism in the United fan base. Um, Lukaku and Memphis. Now, um, the Netherlands, um, a couple of hours ago, defeated um, Ukraine three goals to two. And Memphis had a good game, or at least had a decent game. And he had been immense for the Netherlands, especially during the qualifying. And since he left Manchester United, he had been immense for Lyon and the Netherlands. Okay? And... Both he and Lukaku have moved on and done great things elsewhere as they've left Manchester United. And yesterday, it was Lukaku, the Lukaku debate came up again. Should United have let him go? Should United have held on to him? Should they have, should they have persuaded him to remain at the club? Despite his decision or desire to leave, could only have done enough or done something to persuade Lukaku to change mind if he felt wanted, if he felt he had a chance to really play a big role in the team. That was debate yesterday amongst the fan base. And the pro Ole boys felt that or came to the defense of Ole that Lukaku wanted to go. He didn't fit the system Ole was trying to implement in the My United team, which, by the way, is a counter-attacking system, should be told, um, in his first full season as manager of Manchester United, it was a counter-attacking system, pacing forwards, compact, packing the balls or being compact in the, at the back and quickly hitting teams on the break. That was Ole's go-to tactic 
in his first full season as manager. Last season, he was more on the front foot in most games. So, we were not too dependent on counter-attacking, even though we still used it as a good tactic against the big boys. But against teams out of the top six, it was, you know, try to break them down and get the goals and win, which we did to a large extent last season because after all we came second so we're doing something right but my united overall still had issues with marshall because marshall was not getting enough goals so the goal scoring last season was up to bruno and rashford and towards the end of the season greenwood and cavani chipped in with goals as well but most of the goals United scored last season was from Greenwood and Rashford and had Marshall been in good form last season and chipping in goals as well who knows we could have probably done better than we did last season unfortunately injuries suspensions and his general poor form was a setback for Manchester United last season. In any case, the point I'm trying to bring out here is yesterday Lukaku was the subject of discussion. Should you not have let him go? Should I have not have let him stay? And today it was Memphis this time around. Memphis should we have let him go? Should we have let him stay? Well to me I think Anybody who watched United in 2015-2016 season and when Mourinho joined the club after Van Gaal was sacked would tell you that it was okay, it was the right decision to let Memphis Depay go because his, his performances even in the first season were not good and he couldn't break in in the second season because Marshall, Rashford, Mata... Lingard were doing very well in the attacking position. So Memphis hardly got a look in. So it was the right move to let Memphis go. Besides, in the fourth season, he was he struggled. And even Marshall and Rashford, especially Rashford, who came in from the feeders, you know, seized his opportunity and was doing well. While Memphis, who had the beginning of the whole season, could only muster decent games in only about a few games, was largely poor for most of the season and was giving below average performances. He was overweight. He was disappointing generally. And so when Mario took over, Mario always likes to get the ground running. And when Memphis did measure up, he had to let Memphis go. And I think that was the right thing to do for anyone who was around, who was following the United closely. So the revisionism that has come up over Memphis that it should have been kept to me is ridiculous because he didn't do enough to deserve to remain at the club. It's one of the wisest the club has done in letting him go. Uh, the club 
Odor has failed to do that often with the likes of Phil Jones and Desperera and others who have been distinctively average and poor for many seasons are still at the club. Okay, they've not been sold. Contracts were given and offered to some of these players who have been mediocre at best. Okay, so Memphis, anyone um, saying that Memphis should have remained at the club or should have given more time to um, do well to me is wrong. Memphis had a lot of opportunities under LVG to do well, but he failed to grab his opportunities. And um, players like Rashford. Lingard seized the opportunities when they presented it, or even Marshall seized the opportunity that presented itself to him. So, that the issue of the Memphis debate is a non issue. Anybody who is trying to, to revise history obviously has an agenda or doesn't know what he's talking about. As for Lukaku, this is the more controversial one because Lukaku, the stats does not bear or does not square up with the argument that he did not fit the club. He was not a good fit for Manchester United. He didn't settle or whatever. It just doesn't add up. For heaven's sakes, he scored for the two goals in two seasons. Not a bad return. That is an average of 21 goals per season. So anybody saying that he, he did not adapt or he was not he didn't fit only system is just talking nonsense to be fair. He scored for two goals for Manchester United in two seasons, twenty seven in his first season season and fifteen in his second season. That's uh, that's a decent return. Especially in the first season. In the second season Lukaku struggled and that that can happen to any player. But it's still better off than what uh Marshall has served us up or served us last season that he only grabbed seven goals but Lukaku doubled that easily and I believe that if he had remained we wouldn't have needed to sign the likes of Johnny Gallo or Edison Cavani and even if we signed Cavani it would have been a, it would have been a very potent attack whereby you know that you're getting good quality whoever plays, be it Lukaku or Edison Cavani. And that is this kind of strength in depth a club like Manchester United should have, whereby players like Cavani can be brought on with his experience and his movement, he will still get us goals. Lukaku with his pace, with his energy, with his killer instinct, he will grab goals from United. So... I don't I don't see some 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 pro only fanboys are saying that it is revisionism as well as well as the Memphis debate and I disagree. The Lukaku debate is not a revisionist approach. It is quite clear. The stars bear it out. He scored for the two times for Manchester United. He has gone on to score six four goals for Inter Milan in two seasons. That's an average of 30, 32 goals per season in all competitions. That is a good return for any striker any day outside Messi and Ronaldo. For Belgium, he has cost his two goals already and he's just 28 years old. If he goes for another four years, he could, he could score close to 100 for Belgium. He will be near 100 by the time he is done with Belgium or he, he ends his career or he quits the international stage. So, Lukaku is one of the top five strikers in the world at the moment, in my opinion. 
one of the very best at the moment. Of course, it's a tier below the likes of Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, and maybe Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but he's at the level of the likes of Edison Cavani. I believe so. I believe so. I strongly believe so. For Memphis, Memphis has gone, has moved on, and is doing great things in Lyon and the Netherlands. He has scored 76 goals in all competitions for the Netherlands, which is a good return for a winger. Okay, and for the national team, he has scored 26 goals as well. Since the last World Cup, he has scored 17 times for the for the Netherlands. And it's not a bad return for a winger like Memphis Depay. Okay, so Memphis did not settle at Man United, clearly. He struggled. Um, maybe the standards of Man United overwhelmed him. And, of course, he was much younger then. And he's much more mature. Now, I believe right now, if he were to join Man United now, he would probably do better than his first coming if he were to join Man United. But that ship has sailed and we don't need to go back to players like Memphis. But if 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 the opportunity to get Lukaku back presents itself, I will grab it with two arms because Lukaku is an excellent striker, one of the very best in the world today. He was as long as you, he of course he will miss the, that odd chance, he misses lots of chances. But if you present four or five chances to Lukaku, the chances that he will bury two or three out of them is very high. So I don't know what people are talking about. People are trying to justify that those the the fan base that is in love with Ole are trying to justify Ole's decision to let Lukaku go. And I believe that is just being silly. You have to ignore the stats to reach that conclusion. And the stats do not support that claim that he didn't fit Manchester United. Uh, well, maybe the Marshall fan boys are also pushing that agenda. But Marshall, right now, has lost a lot of credit in the bank because of his poor performance last season. And he needs to do better this coming season or else I fear that even Ole will lose patience with the likes of Marshall that begin to look for a replacement, someone who he can trust with the number nine position. Rashford has been good, so we don't have any issues with the likes of Rashford. They have lived up to the building. Rashford has been doing well steadily since he joined Manchester United, and the last two seasons he has been able to score 20-plus goals in two seasons back-to-back, which is a good one for Rashford. So there's no problem with the likes of Rashford or Bruno. So that's my take today on this debate about revisionism in the United fan base. Um, If you would like to, well, if there's any money fan listening to this podcast, please send me your message send a message if you have a contrary view to mine i'll be willing to listen and share it in the next episode thank you all for listening i appreciate you all have a good night's rest have a great week ahead too bye bye